Don't be ashamed to learn things that you need to know. Here's Sexplanations with Dr. Doe. Sexplanations podcast, episode 91 with my friend, Sean. Hi, Sean. Hey, Lindsay. <laughs> hey, Lindsay. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> let's do this. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so the situation with this episode is that it's about the outtakes that I first did on the Sexplanations YouTube channel. Um, just video bloopers of me. And I thought it would be really fun to talk about my flubs in life because you and I have known each other for so long in yeah. so many different contexts. Yes, we have. Yeah. So <laughs> do you want to talk about my my silliness and my failings? Yeah. Awesome. I can talk about some of mine too. Perfect. That sounds great. Let's do it. Uh, first, a shout out to our patreon.com slash explanations podcast patrons, our sexplanauts, specifically the bosses, because they are the ones who make this show possible. Ben Trammell, Zibois, Donna Flint, and the Millers. Thank you all for this. Oh my gosh, how wonderful. And uh, in your honor, I have a special treat for Sean. So once upon a time, Sean was my student. Then then you became a volunteer at the Sexual Health Collaborative where I worked. Then you became a preceptor for my class. So kind of like an apprentice for a professor. And at the time, I had this idea of showing students semen because oftentimes people don't see it. It gets shot into them or they aren't playing with somebody who ejaculates semen or they aren't playing at all. <laughs> lots, lots of different reasons why you may not see semen in your lifetime. And so I was like, oh, I need some some semen. And I, I like talked to my partner at the time and all these friends and nobody was willing to, to dish except you. Yeah, I'm always willing to dish. <laughs> it was so awesome. So you went and uh, I remember you got a, a sample, maybe two, and put it in a lunchbox. Yeah, it was like an icebox kind of. I've got a bunch of ice and it was a lunchbox <laughs> and had a, a jar and all that. This is so awesome. <laughs> so I was carrying that around on campus throughout the day on my way to your class. Oh, that's awesome. So that was pretty funny and everyone kept asking what's in the box. But. And I could have done you a huge favor <laughs> and been like, okay, before class, you know, before we go through class, I'm going to show you the sample yeah. in this state that Sean was trying to preserve but instead i was like oh yeah at the end of class there's this semen box <laughs> in a jar yep yeah and it uh it didn't stay preserved so no. uh they still i think enjoyed it or seeing it some people i guess yeah, yeah maybe uh thought it was a cool experience at the end of class to see that but at the same time it wasn't preserved so it had uh liquefied gen- yeah liquefied yeah Li- i mean even more or like but the proteins less, broke down yeah, and, yeah. yeah it was less congealed yes exactly. so then it's a little bit trickier to be like Yes, this is what semen looks like right hot out of the body. Because uh, it was more uh, slow. less viscous. It was like yes. more watery. Yeah. Yeah. Than usual. So I told you this already, but you haven't seen it. I still have this jar of your <laughs> semen. <laughs> oh my gosh. How old is that jar now? It's probably is that 10 years. Yeah. 2010, I think. I right. Think so. That was the Yard's Preceptor. Yeah. So yeah. Spring of 2010. It, it has been on this explanations episode. Do you know that? I think, yeah. I remember you put it on an episode and you sent me a link. Of, and I was. Of my favorite things. Or. Uh, so yeah, like a like, tour I did. Yeah, gifts friends have given you or yeah. things like that. And I was surprised you still had it then. <laughs> well, I still have it. Years now. and years ago. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's going in my memorabilia box. Okay, so do you want to see it? Yeah. I told you. Let's see what this looks like. Again. Okay. Oh, man. It's nah, not, nah, nah, uh, nah. not fun pink anymore. That's for sure. No. <laughs> it's like uh, particle brown. Yeah. Kind of looks like rusty water. Something like that. I mean, it fell off the table yesterday and didn't crack, which was amazing. That because is... it's in a glass jar. And if your 10-year-old cement had gone all over my kitchen floor, I would have been slightly just like, that. you know, that's body fluid that's, all over my house. No, it's definitely grossed out. <laughs> 10 years, who knows what uh, what's yeah. going in that thing. I mean, it doesn't oh look gosh. as gross as the Petri dishes that I did for the sex toy video. Yeah. So that's good. Sure. I wonder maybe because it's less exposed to air, just different protein breakdown. I suppose. I don't know. But yeah, it's pretty much almost all water now is what it looks like anyways. But yeah, it looks rusty. like a tiny, tiny bit of bullion clue. Yeah. Water, like <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Every time I cook something with that, that's what I'm going to think of now. <laughs> <laughs> my broth. Oh goodness. Just start calling it broth shot. And yeah. Would you like some of my broth? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Oh, so good. Okay. So, have you seen the bloopers video? I have. Yep. Outtakes? Yep. I watched that as well as the gag reel. So, I got a lot of your got a lot of your bloopers okay. that I watched. What do you think? Um, I think it's amazing what you do and how much time and effort you put into things. Oh, sure. I think a lot of people don't understand how much time and how many times you have to reshoot things or in post-production cut and edit and all this because, I mean, for, I don't know, a 10-minute video, you probably have to shoot multiple hours at least. Mm -hmm. So um, I think it's great. And also seeing people like yourself and others be vulnerable and posting those kind of things and see how silly you are or, you know, whatever, whatever happens. <laughs> That's awesome. Wow. I was not like expecting compliments. I was like, oh yeah, Lindsay, you do this all the time in real life. So... <laughs> That's totally what I was expecting. You're just weird like that. Well, I mean, you are weird like that, yeah. but I think it's cool. I mean, there's plenty of people that are weird in real life, but they won't put that out there for everyone to know. Obviously, the subjects you discuss are pretty, I guess, private for a lot of folks. So you're putting yourself out there a lot anyways, but making yourself vulnerable and allowing other people to see how silly you are uh, is a great thing to do. And that's one thing I admire about you. Oh, Sean. <laughs> I'm going to give you compliments now. So I have this memory of an, a Doe Eyes episode, mm -hmm. which is my personal uh, kind of a vlog YouTube channel, which rarely gets posted to. But at one point in time, I was doing it a lot to just learn the art of videography and editing. So I'd have more compassion for the people I was working with. And I remember I came to visit you at the university where you were working and you're just game. You're all like, you're always game, right? So I'd yeah. be like, hey, semen. And you're like, yep. <laughs> Have some broth. Or, hey, can you be on the podcast? Hey, would you like to be in this episode? Hey, you want to get lunch? Yeah. Hey, will you watch my dog? Yeah. Like, oh, so good. I like that about you. Thank you. And I also like that you are very, is disarming the word? I think so. Like non-threatening, I guess. Or yeah. is that what you're Am I for? remembering correctly that for a long time you worked with um, crime victims advocates? Yeah. So I worked at the Student Assault Resource Center um, on campus. Um, kind of at the height when uh, the University of Montana was dealing with all of its sexual assault scandal stuff. So yeah. I was one of two male advocates in the whole group. That's a big deal. Yeah. yeah. And then you did your, what was it? Your minor in women and gender studies? Yeah. Yeah. I think now it's women, gender and sexuality studies, which I think encapsulate that minor better. Uh -huh. um, but yeah, I did 
my degree is in psychology uh, with a emphasis in clinical psych and then um, a minor in women, gender and sexuality studies. So See, but, yeah. wait, you get to call it women, women, gender and sexuality studies, even though I mean, it, maybe not like technically, I guess it's still just women and gender studies, but I had the sexuality in there. I mean, your class was the one that steered me down the path to get that minor. So, well, and the wild thing about it is that my, that class doesn't exist. So it's now a minor that includes sexuality, but they don't have a human sexuality course on campus anymore. Oh yeah. I guess I didn't really think about that. That's kind of weird. At least that's the last I heard. Yeah. And, and the last that I've looked at that minor, that's what it was being considered. I'm not sure with the recent changes the past couple of years, if that's still the case. Um, I just saw at one point they did change it to WGSS to add sexuality in there as well. Nice. Get it. Yeah. yeah. You deserve it. <laughs> Thanks. Seriously. You were part of the coolest group of students that I was able to teach. I just loved your cohort. Obviously, you know this because um, at the time I started, I started foster parenting. And so I had a 17 year old daughter and it was mm-hmm. definitely not appropriate for me to be seeing clients at our home. And so I got this big, huge building for a sexual health club collaborative and your cohort was so instrumental in making everything happen. like I have such cute pictures of you from the were you at the luau or like yeah. some of our parties I that we would, have. we would have like big get together <gasps> I know what I have pictures of you from that I'm thinking of was our um threesome the birthday party oh yep 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 I remember that so um <laughs> the business was called birds and bees LLC it was named by the community and so the, there were the birds and uh the, the volunteers right mm-hmm. now, the group yeah and three of you all had birthdays really in the summer together. yeah mine late June. Shandy, Rochelle, and James. James, yeah. And so we did a birthday theme for them of fabulous threesomes or something like that, where people had to come in groups of three and dress like whatever yeah. they're called. Yeah, Luau or... Trios. Um, yeah, trios, yeah. Yeah, so you did... Who are you part of? The Holy Trinity? No, they were the Holy Trinity. Yeah, what? Man, that's been a while. You did Sex, Drug, and... Sex, oh, drugs, Sex, and Drugs, and Rock and Roll. Yep, with Renee and Christy. Christy. Yep. And you you were, were you drugs? I don't know. I think, was Renee rock and roll? Christy was sex? I was drugs? Is that? Maybe Christy was drugs. Yeah, <laughs> do it. they all while. look the same? Yeah. <laughs> how how do know. we distinguish those? <laughs> and I think that I was, um, with my partner and my teenage daughter, we dressed up as the, like, a, what is it called? The three of, three of hearts, three of aces. Three of aces, yeah. Yeah, and we just wore, like, white shirts and then paper clipped cards for <laughs> shirts. <laughs> yeah. Something lame like that. But it was awesome. I remember all the... So much fun. Oh, yeah. That that building was an amazing location, too. Slightly out of town, but it had a little balcony that overlooked the river. I know. Um, It was one of the most, like, calming, cool places, especially if people wanted to come talk about issues they might not, you know, be super open talking about. It was a good private location. And then you could do um, outside consults. I remember we had had a little store in there. We had a massage area. Um, Yoga on the deck. Yeah, we'd show videos. We'd do classes in there. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite nights uh, with Birds and Bees was it was just kind of our inner circle, if you will. Um, 
I think it's me, you, Miha, Chandy, Rochelle, Christy, Renee, and James, I think. So and many we, people who have been on the podcast. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> and we got that sleeping bag. I don't know. I can't remember if you found it or Miha found it, but the sleeping bag that could fit like six people in it. Do you remember that thing? It's yeah. A giant sleeping yeah, bag. Yeah, yeah. And we tried to, I mean, we did all fit in there. We shoved our, all of us I in the sleeping bag for cuddling. That. Yeah. I mean, I know the sleeping bag because I think it was my two person yeah. sleeping bag, which I guess we turned into. <laughs> no, no, this one, I remember this one was a specific, like large group sleeping bag. It wasn't green. Was it green? It might have been green. There's no way the two person sleeping bag was that big. I swear it was It's one. like the size of a queen size bed. Yeah. Yeah. That's supposed to be a two person sleeping yeah. bag. Oh my gosh. It's crazy. <laughs> well, yes. Yeah, so it was that sleeping bag. And I remember we just kind of had a cuddle party and we all got in the sleeping bag. And I think we talked, you know, just for hours about life and things was like I that. Was I there? Pretty sure you were. You were the one who organized it. <laughs> You've done a lot of things, so maybe you don't remember, but I'm 99% sure you were there. But that was one of my favorite memories. Aww. It's just a good kind of group bonding experience um, that we all did. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. I have. I don't have pictures of that, so it's hard for me to remember, but I remember us going to the park one day, mm-hmm. and there were a lot of colors in all of our outfits, yeah. and it reminded me of the scene from across the universe where they're all laying in the ground head to head and yeah. we did a similar shot. Yeah. That was a, that was a wonderful day too. Still look back at those photos sometimes. Like tie-dyed shirts and fun dresses and Yeah. We put a remember were you around for Outfest? Yes, I was. What was the tagline? Like a festival. So in Missoula, where we yeah. are right now, there is a what is it called? They're like tinsel tent park. Like at the so K- at, Karis Park. Yeah, Karis yeah. Park has a big structure similar to the top of the Denver airport. So those white kind of peak looking canvas uh, structures. We have that over a giant park and we were there for Outfest, Mm -hmm. which somebody had put together for LGBT Outness. Yeah, I think it was LGBT. I mean, it was kind of like an LGBT festival, if you will. Yeah, and this was before any of the marriage equality stuff. Like this was when it was still fairly taboo. Yep. And so we had Outfest and Birds and Bees did a tent and we put a mattress. Mm-hmm. And sheets on it. Uh, yeah. Yep. And had people write in fabric markers what they do in the sheets as a way of coming out of the sheets. Yep. yep. Yeah. <laughs> do you still have those sheets? I don't. I don't remember how it happened. Maybe on Facebook I posted okay. for like people to um, get votes or something to decide who would get them. Oh, yep. Okay. I'm I think I remember that now. Yeah. yeah, that was fun. I remember wearing rainbow shorts and a kind of a golden wig and... <laughs> Sounds like you. Yeah. And just ran around throughout the night because, yeah, it was a big festival throughout the day with all kinds of cool stuff like us and Adam and Eve were there, um, all that. And then at the end of the night, the end of the night, they had a really big dance party. Yeah. Oh, so good. Yeah. It was so good. And like what I loved, at least about our booth, is that so many people would bring their little dogs and kids and put them right on the bed to color and yeah. just like hang out because like kids sleep in beds too and they could participate in color on the sheets. Yeah, everybody's adorable. welcome. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was a great, that was a great festival. I don't think they've done something like that since, have they? Let's do it. Yeah, we could organize another one. Yeah. 
<laughs> Sounds so so good. We could do them all over the country. We'll just uh, as this, the Sexplanations RV goes around, we'll just have parties. Just a mobile mini festival yeah, traveling behind exactly. RV. <laughs> yeah, there's a spare bed for you, Sean. Yeah, I saw that. That's and your partner, a lot of space. and your two dogs, and three cats. One cat. One cat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all my fuzzy animals coming with us. That sounds awesome. <laughs> That's a requirement for coming. So, um, what do you think are some uh, bloopers or outtakes in your life that oh, show off your vulnerability? Hmm. I mean, I so I have hemophilia, and for people who don't know what that is, that's where your blood doesn't clot. It's a bleeding disorder, and I think having that disorder has made me—I don't want to say like realize my mortality or things like that, but I realize I'm a serious injury away from something catastrophic potentially happening. My life. So I think from a young age, I've always been willing to put myself out there um, and do silly things. Um, I'm a very short guy. I was made fun of all throughout school, but you know, I kind of turned that on its head, I would say around middle school and kind of embraced it. Um, my nickname in high school is Hemo. Um, so I just, I kind of got identified through a nickname that a lot of people thought would be derogatory, but I, again, just embraced it, kind of had fun. Um, sporting events, I always dress up in either super tight spandex or not wearing much at all. Um, covered in paint and all kinds of things. They can't um, see it, but I'm smiling yeah. so largely <laughs> yeah, right now. I'm so happy. Um, and I think another thing was one of the days I was doing, I think, some kind of fundraiser around Christmas time. And I remember dressing up as an elf. And I remember coming into your class and just kind of being a goof and telling people, you know, come donate to the fundraiser. I used to be a student of Lindsay's and all that kind of stuff. So I think I've always, it's been bloopers, but I've always never been afraid to be silly as well. I think people are very silly and so many people hold back and don't let themselves be their true selves because they're worried about other people judging them or, you know, social media nowadays, everybody just puts photos and things up where they put the, like the A reel of their life up. Few people will post the not good things going on or the silly things going on. Um, just so we can all kind of put our, our best face on, but that's not reality. So I try to embrace the silliness of everything and just try to be authentic myself. Yeah. But that is kind of your A reel. Yeah. Yeah. In a way. Yeah, definitely. Like you've taken the, the so-called bloopers or what, people might edit out and you have made it your your shtick it's like your your that is your talent is just being so real and authentic and vibrant and hilarious yeah I mean, disarming yeah <laughs> i think being i think humor is one of the best things about life and i think everybody can enjoy you know laughing everybody likes laughing or most people maybe not everybody <laughs> Um, I hate it. <laughs> but yeah, I just think, uh, you know, there's things that we're supposed to feel bad about, but when you're able to make fun of them or embrace them, especially if it's something like my bleeding disorder or my height, I'm not going to change those things. I'm stuck with those for life. So might as well just embrace it and try to see the positives in it and enjoy it. Ah, so good. I like it. All right. So on the flip side, are there times where you don't feel that way when you're down? Yeah. I mean, definitely. I think so. I'm 29 right now. And I think, oh my gosh. When did that happen? <laughs> I know, right? You're uh, like... It was 19, I think, oh when you met me. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's been 10 years. You're so grown it's up. It's crazy to think about. 
<laughs> um, so yeah, so I just turned 29 and I think probably post college until about now, um, I will say I have been dealing with some depression and anxiety. I think a lot of people in that age deal with that after college, <clears throat> excuse me, when they don't know what um, they want to do with their life or, you know, you have all your friends in college and then everybody moves away and gets jobs and which, you know, that's just life. That's what happens. But I think I've always been a social butterfly. And so that was really easy in college because people were in close proximities and Mm -hmm. a lot of people had the same culture and things like that. And then once we grow up and we learn more and change, hanging out with people is a little more difficult, whether that's because they live far away or um, they're starting to have families or they're just their interests have changed. Mm -hmm. So I think for a long time, I struggled with not having that close friend group that you could always call on weekends at all times anymore or always having someone down to do any activity you wanted, whether it was floating the river or going downtown or playing video games, what have you. Um, and also with, you know, I've got the degree in psychology. Um, to be fair though, with a bachelor's in psychology, there's not, couldn't do too much direct counseling work uh, with that. Um, so I eventually did some other jobs, worked for the university, worked for various nonprofits, um, which were all great things to do, but wasn't necessarily my true passion per se. Mm-hmm. And so kind of just dealing with loss of friendships, um, trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life career-wise and all of that um, definitely dealt with bouts of depression um, up and down kind of throughout that time of my life. Yeah. Um, luckily though, I had a wonderful partner who supported me um, throughout that time and now I'm going back to school um, for my true passion, which is wildlife biology and animals. And so I'm in a very happy, good place right now and I'm very excited to see what life has for me in the future. Aww, that's That's nice. It has a... A directional happy ending. It's in the direction of a happy ending. We'll see what happens in the future, but right now things are looking good and on the upswing. Yeah. So that's all I can ask for. I really relate to the depression, anxiety piece that comes and goes a lot for me. And my brain wants to be like, oh, okay, it must be the change in the weather or it must be because I haven't eaten or haven't exercised. And of course, all of those things can contribute Mm -hmm. to feelings of anxiety and depression or any um, mental difficulties. But... I also have to, for myself and also for respecting others, acknowledge the fact that it doesn't have to have an external cause. Like there, yeah, there definitely. doesn't have to be an explanation for mental illness. It could just be like, you have a mental illness because yeah. you're a human being. And, and as John Green says, that's a side effect of being a human being. Yeah, is that definitely. Like sometimes you get an infection or things don't work perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. I think with the stigma around mental health, it's really unfortunate. Um, a lot of people do want to blame issues on external factors because most of the time people feel that those are way easier to change. Mm -hmm. I can just change my job or move or do something like that. But um, when it's an internal problem, it's a lot more difficult to sit with yourself, think about the bad stuff, try to figure out how you can be better. Mm -hmm. Um, And even if you move, it's going to come with you. That's scary. So I understand people not wanting to, to do that. But I think going to counseling and talking to friends about those scary things is a very important thing that everybody should do. Ah, yeah. Asking for help. <laughs> yes. Is the adulting skill. Yes. Adulting is not fun, but that's one of the things you have to do or should do at least. Yeah. Okay. So I have 
hemophilia question for mm-hmm. you. When you were talking about it, how does it work for somebody who menstruates? Um, yeah, so there's a lot of different kinds of bleeding disorders. Um, hemophilia is just one of them. Um, there's a, a different disorder called von Willebrand's disease, which is an autosomal um, disorder. And so it affects each gender equally. Um, hemophilia typically affects males um, more severely, um, but women can be carriers um, of that and that can affect their menstruation. They can be like carriers of the gene and they can have the gene turned on. So, um, so it's carried on the X chromosome and it's recessive. So for a male to be affected with hemophilia, they just need the X from their mother Mm -hmm. that's affected. And because they only have one X chromosome, it can't balance out. So you have a bad X chromosome or an affected X chromosome, you have hemophilia. Mm -hmm. Um, for women that are carriers, they have an X chromosome that is affected and one that's not affected. And so they still, one is dominant. Yep. And so they still have uh, bleeding issues but it's not as severe typically as it would be for a male. And then with von Willebrand's disease, it doesn't affect, or yeah, the genders are affected equally, but um, with issues like menstruation and pregnancy and things like that, um, a lot of the time women are more often diagnosed because it shows up um, or it expresses itself in a way that is picked up um, compared to males. Very complicated subject, but um, I do have family members as well as friends that are um, women that deal with menstruation issues and it can be a very, very scary thing for them. Because when they go to, <clears throat> through their cycle, it can be um, very excessive bleeding for a really long time. Um, the scariest and most dangerous part usually is when you first have your first menstruation. Um, cause in our culture, in a lot of cultures, you don't talk about those things. Um, so you're dealing with that and you think that's, oh, this amount of blood and this length is quote normal. So I'm just going to deal with it and not talk to anybody about it. And they may not know they have a bleeding disorder until that first menstruation. So they'll just deal with it themselves. Um, there's been people in our community that have, um, fainted because they've lost so much blood. Um, they've had to get into an ambulance and rush to the hospital to get blood transfusions. Um, from menstruation. From menstruation. From menstruating um, and losing so much blood. And so when it comes to the topic of birth control and things like that, where you can regulate your cycle better or even skip your cycle at times, um, that can be very, very helpful to yeah. people in life-saving. the bleeding disorder. Yeah. Life-saving in the bleeding disorder community. So my hemophilia paired up with my interest in sexual education. They both work together and it's, yeah. it's a, I have strong feelings about it. So I do too right now. I mean, again, people listening can't see me, but I, there's a knot in my throat mm-hmm. where I'm just like my whole chest is tight. I'm really sad that not only do so many people have to go through menstruation without the knowledge of what's happening to their bodies, but then to take that to a whole different level of it being a life threatening, um, denial of knowledge yeah. is just heartbreaking to yeah. me. It's a very, very scary thing. And I've been a camp director and a camp counselor, um, pretty much for the last 10 to 11 years. And so I've worked with that teenage group and that's always been, you know, one thing that's great about camp, there's medical team there. There's people that understand the disease there. And that's what camp is for, is for them to bond with each other, learn how to treat their illness and things like that. But I've, I've always been worried for those teenage girls um, when they do reach that part of their life and dealing with that and hoping that they get the support at home um, or that they're willing to talk to their medical providers and they don't hide, you know, or don't talk to that because it's an embarrassing topic, maybe. How old are the campers? 
Um, I mean, the campers age from seven to 18. Can you tell them? Yeah. I mean, we do educational. Yeah. We have education at camp as well. You're like, okay, um, here's the menstruation. Yeah. So it might not necessarily be me. Okay. Um, it might be um, a female social worker or a nurse or a physical therapist. Um, usually it's one of our female or a couple of our female medical staff that um, will talk to them um, about that subject. And so we have different education sessions for the different age groups. Um, but when it's teenage girls, that's usually the topic we focus on for them. Wow. Yeah. A shout out also to uh, non-binary and trans individuals who might not fall like on this yeah. uh, cisgendered language that we're using. Of course. And, yeah. Uh, My apologies. Can have these. You, you know it. It's, <laughs> I know it's it. just like how science talks about it. <laughs> Too. When you're yeah. doing the research with education, it's so binary um, to like keep it fast. Yeah. But uh, I I know that you don't want to leave anybody out there. Yeah, so, of course not. Um, wow, that is yeah a thing. Yeah, and I remember um, I think we talked about this too when I was a preceptor, but also a circumcision. Um, not so much now, but <gasps> oh, but, I didn't even think about but that. Babies oh with hemophilia that get circumcised that don't know they have hemophilia. Um, in the past, there have been deaths because of that. Um, obviously, it's not as serious now because our medical um, teams have gotten so much better. But in the past, circumcision has been a also potentially life threatening thing for people in the bleeding disorder community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I let my chest. Yeah. We. Um, yeah. I remember my mom telling me when I was little. Um, so the disease is genetic. So I have family members with it. And so they tested me right away and found out I had it. So when I was in the hospital after being born, they had a huge sign on my crib that just said, do not circumcise in all capital letters. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I wish that we had a photograph. I know of that. that would be so great, but yeah, I remember my mom telling me that story, and I just laughed. But at the same time, that was 1990, and so can I we mean, put that sign on every crib, please? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would, oh. I would like to. But I remember we both feel very strongly about circumcision. And um, when I was your preceptor talking about that in class, that was always one of my favorite classes because that was such a heated class. That was the most heated class I feel we ever did. Yeah. Was that topic. Still now on sex yeah. explanations. It's one topic that if I touch on it, because I want to, I want to talk yeah. about it all the time. Um, people have a lot of emotions around yeah, it. Yeah, which is totally valid. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, you think a different class. I remember that class and a aging and sexuality was to me, I, the year I worked with you, that was the two topics that got the most emotions. What did we fun. do for aging? Um, I think <laughs> like, we just, I'm, I'm not a part of my life no. at all. People come <laughs> onto the podcast and like this happened. Like, what no, happened? I mean, I, we didn't do anything out of the ordinary. I just remember discussing that topic and a lot of the students, of course, they're younger, they're 18. We'd talk about, you know, people of geriatric age having sex and there'd be some groans and moans in class oh, and things like that. And I remember saying at the time, it was something like, do you guys care about Lance Armstrong and Sheryl Crow? They're both over 40 or 45 or whatever it was. Nobody cared. But to me, I interpreted that as because they were attractive. Mm. So no one cared. But the older people that, as we all do, we get less attractive usually mm. or by our standards when we're older. Um, people just didn't want to think about their parents or grandparents or whoever having sex. But sex is important throughout life. Yeah. I guess I don't want to imagine it, <laughs> uh, which I think might happen. 
have like <laughs> some biological component to it because yeah, I feel like I'm very adjusted sexually, but I do want them to be sexually active. Yes. So I do ask my parents, you know, how their sex lives are, or they will just offer that information just to just let me know that they, they're alive and they experience desire. And, um, you know, if they want a sex toy or they, they need something, they'll let me know. Yeah. Not that like you have to have sex in order to be alive. No, <laughs> like, no, no of course just not. In their situation. Yeah. And same with my grandparents or anybody in my life. I want to know that if they choose or desire to be sexually active, that they have access to that either through masturbation or intercourse and masturbation and intercourse. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. But I like imagining somebody climbing on top or. Yeah. Who you may not be attracted to for whatever reason. Men. Totally valid. Yeah. But I just being near those students ages, I felt I could kind of think how they thought at that time. And that's and right when I called them out, a lot of them kind of got quiet. Um, so I thought it was kind of funny, but I like to chat. I like to challenge people's thoughts and kind of have them explain themselves. And then we can open up for a much more honest conversation. You're a smart man, Sean. Yeah. You're, you're, you're a smart man, Sean. Um, do you want to do kegels? Sure. We can do kegels. Main squeeze, squeeze it should we do it to um, some moans of older people? <laughs> sure, we can try. So you and I will just do it to okay. counting, but everybody else, when Whoa. we're doing the main squeeze, can do their kegels to the sound <laughs> of older people moaning. That sounds great. With pleasure. Right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I'm just going to count eight up and then count eight down. And we're going to... With each moan, you're going to kind of work like a you're going up the stairs okay. with your pubic coccygeus muscles. And then for the moans after that, eight of them will go down, down okay. the stairs, like relaxing, pushing out, releasing the tension in the, the PCs, all that pelvic floor. Yeah, sounds good. Okay, so one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Go down, eight. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Good job. Thanks, you too. How does it feel? Feels good. Honestly, it's been a while since I've worked my kegels, so yeah. that was good. That's the thing that like keeps me doing this podcast. When yeah. we were on hiatus, I didn't have my bad strength. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I definitely feel not as strong because <laughs> I haven't done them in a while. Get on it, man. <laughs> Okay, so anything else you want to talk about? Anything else we should know? Don't think so. Just want people to be happy and open and honest with their feelings and whether it's sex or mental health or whatever. Just live your life and try to enjoy it and don't don't worry about uh try not to worry about other people judging you too much. And if they do, try to find a better surrounding circle of friends who will support you and what you want to do. Yeah. Give yourself a cool nickname. That's good. Anything that you remember from your experiences with me as like a major blunder or mm. something that, that maybe now 
now you can laugh about, but at the time you're like, oh, Lindsay. I'm trying to think. I don't know. I think for me, because I appreciate those, it's hard for me to like put a bunch of negative thought onto yeah. one. Um, oh, that's nice. <laughs> Maybe that's why we're friends. Maybe. I mean, both like, like the, <laughs> there is some sweetness to the mistakes. Yeah. I'm trying to think of one, but I can't think of anything comes to the top of my head. Okay. But I know they've been there as I've had some as well. Yeah. Well, if you remember them and you want to tell me later, I'm happy to hear them. Okay. I will let you know. I'll, I'll say that my... <laughs> The one that I think of is how you did so much work to preserve your semen, and then I just let it sit in the lunchbox until yeah, the maybe end of maybe like that's an hour and twenty minute class. Yeah. Oh yeah. By the way, here's this. Thing yeah, it was as the Sean... students. It was as the students were leaving. I think is when we said, "Oh wait, we got something." <laughs> so yeah, maybe that's it. We should have done it at the beginning of class. Damn it, Lindsay. <laughs> yeah. And now it's sitting here with us in yep. the studio, and it's so lovely. Yeah, but hopefully it will never be over. <laughs> <laughs> Don't break glass. Just preserve the semen forever. And then when I revisit Sean in the future, you'll be another color. Because yeah, last time it was colors. like magenta. Yeah. Now it's brown. Maybe it'll be neon green or something next yeah. time. Who knows? Who knows what's growing in there? Yeah. Go Gotham. <laughs> okay. Well, the only thing we've left to do then is sextra credit. Now you can practice at home. Dr. Doe gives you sextra I think um, talking to, could be your partner, but maybe a friend. Um, a lot of people don't like to necessarily talk about their sexual lives with friends. And so maybe talking to someone about a kink you have or Ooh. something like that, or or telling a friend about a blunder that you've done um, mm-hmm. in the relationship, sexuality part of your life. You know, we've, we've all made silly mistakes when it comes to relationships or, I don't know, saying something stupid on a first date. Um, so <laughs> So I think uh, just talking to a friend about that and just being honest about how embarrassed you were or how silly you felt after making your own blunder. Do you have a suggested opener for that conversation? Hmm. So I was listening to the Sex <laughs> podcast. Yeah, I mean, that might be good. I'm not, I'm a very uh, blunt person. So I would just jump right into a conversation like that. Um, man, I want to say, hey, can I talk to you about something that seems like it's more serious than it needs to be? But I don't know. Do you have any suggestions? I mean, I can, I can share one with you. So I had a partner. Um, this is when I was much younger and I was having anal instead of vaginal because I was going to preserve my virginity. Mm, yep. <laughs> and I remember like promptly after we had sex, he told me that he needed to wash the sheets because I had bled. Mm, yeah. And I was like, what? I don't have my period. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> and then I learned later that it's because fecal matter had come out during intercourse or, yeah. or afterward or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and he didn't want to embarrass me and he wanted to go and wash it. And so. Yeah. Well, it was very nice for him. I know. Right. But also like I'm I'm grateful that I didn't have shame then. Like I don't experience shame about it now and I don't experience, I didn't experience shame about it then. Yeah. And so like, dude, it's, it's all good. Just tell me that I should have the bed. Like yeah. that makes sense <laughs> Be because honest, you stuck your dick in my Yeah. Ass. That's like, going to happen when you have anal. <laughs> yeah. But I was, uh, yeah. So that's probably, you know, that would be a blooper maybe. Yeah. I guess one of mine, so this was my first person I ever had sex with. And I remember um, performing kind of lingus, but then I don't think she knew, or maybe she did, didn't tell me, but I remember coming up and afterwards we're in the bathroom cleaning ourselves off. And I remember looking at my face and seeing a red tint to my lips and whatnot. <laughs> 
I was like, oh, didn't expect that. Uh, I didn't say anything, um, not to potentially embarrass her or anything like that, but I think she might have been having her period at the time. And yeah. I didn't know that. And probably the best cunnilingus ever. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it seemed like she enjoyed it. It was funny when it came up and I was like, why do I have a kind of red lipstick on? What's going on here? And this was when I was like 14 at the time. I'm like, oh, okay. I think I'm putting two and two together now. <laughs> We've done our homework yep. and we've modeled it for others. Yep. Okay, world, you know what to do now. Keggles and, and open conversations with people about your your maybe your outtakes or your bloopers. Yeah. Things that you might remove from the A roll but then get to be their own episode all yeah. you know together. Like just put them someplace, share them with the world because it's such a great way to be vulnerable and authentic. Definitely. Sean, thanks for being yeah. on the second Thanks for having me on, podcast. Lindsay. It's always great seeing you. Oh yeah. <laughs> And Cora and Parle, I'm still learning. <laughs>